The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Claude Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Unfortunately, Ricky is unable to join us tonight, but uh, I have a couple of guests on with us and Ricky has asked that I do shout-outs to both of you. So, first of all, we've got Rance from the SMC Wrestling Podcast. How are you, how are you tonight, Rance? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. I have been... I feel like I'm... Uh... You know how you have a person that has a new TV show coming out, and there are like all the late night shows. Uh-huh. I'm just making my way on everyone. Uh-huh. And I'm the- good. Thank you for having me. Uh, we've also got, and I'm very pleased to have on someone from the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group, who's a regular contributor as well as the T-shirt competition winner extraordinaire. We have Kyle Moore's. Kyle, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. Um have a knee surgery tomorrow, so you know that's going to be a big thing. So thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to have a little fun and talk wrestling on the day before that. Yeah, take your mind off the knee surgery for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the plan, I had a plan for this week, um, and I sort of devised it a couple of days ago, where we would look at matches or feuds heading into wrestling booking and the sort of the storyline going into it has been a wee wanting but lackluster and the plan was to fantasy rebook some of the mania cards and we did have a couple of them picked um, I won't go, we'll talk about them later on but obviously there has been quite the news worthy event in the last 24 hours where Daniel Bryan has been cleared by all the doctors in the world apparently and most importantly according to WWE their doctors so Daniel Bryan is cleared to wrestle now, this has been met with a lot of fanfare and general happiness from a massive contingent of the internet wrestling community and just fans in general. But, um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Daniel Bryan returning? Well, first of all, I'm amazed that WWE's doctors actually did clear him. I always knew Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, would wrestle again somewhere. But I really didn't ever think that WWE's doctors would leap that final hurdle and clear him with all the liability from his history with the health issues that he's had. But at the same time, I mean, I'm obviously very excited for Daniel. I know that this has always been a big goal of his was to wrestle again somewhere. A little bit worried about him because I know that the last time his health was so bad, he was having seizures and... Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to see somebody cripple themselves for something like wrestling as much as I love watching it. But um, I'm cautiously optimistic about Daniel Bryan's return. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still trying to process it. Really, um, it was actually Caleb 
Ranch's colleague that broke it in our wee messenger group that he had returned and I was just reading it and I was just stunned. I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh, Rance, you are known as the contrarian on the SMC Wrestling Podcast and I'm sure you've got some interesting opinions about Daniel Bryan's return. Uh, we'll have to get Rance's opinions on that return here in a minute. Rance had to step away to take a phone call. So we can get his opinion on that here in a minute. I will say my biggest fear while we wait for Ra- oh, Rance oh, back. Here he is. I'm sorry, man. I got a call and I had to step away. I'm so sorry. No, don't worry about it. Um, basically, we're just looking for your opinion on Daniel Bryan returning to oh, World God. of Wrestling. Hot take. What's his hot take? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so let me know when to come in or leave me in. Yeah, on you go. It's your turn. The floor is yours. Uh, so I apologize ahead of time for this. Um, <laughs> I so I was on with Jordan this morning on Good Brothers, and I had to start off with a bit of a disclaimer. So let me do that here. I am not trying to be uh, purposefully, um, you know, negative. I'm really not trying to, and I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. But I am on the side that is terrified for this man's life. I'm happy that he gets to do what he wants. But he could pass all the tests in the world. Doesn't change the fact that this man has had numerous post-concussion seizures. Doesn't change the fact that they found lesions on his brain. And he could make it sound as good as he wants to by saying that lesions are just stuff we don't know. But that is scarier to me not knowing what something is on your brain, then saying this, and the fact that he's had over 10 concussions that he can remember just in the WWE, not even talking about his indie career. So I'm terrified. I am, I'm happy for him. He gets to do what he wants, but m- my fear is this. So y'all saw SmackDown. Mm-hmm. They were pulling their punches and their kicks like comically bad. Like oh, yeah. We're going out of their way to protect him. For sure. Like, yeah, Owen super kicked him man, like three full inches away from his face. You know, so um, imagine what if he gets a concussion his first match back? What well, are we gonna do? When he's in the ring with someone who's not Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who are two of the absolute best in the company, and absolutely protect you. What absolutely. happens when he's in the ring with a Jinder Mahal who Mojo Rawley properly? to yeah. save his life and drops him on his neck. And then let's go let's let's go one more let's go another level further. So what are the three dream matches we all that we all would have wanted to see if Daniel Bryan was actually 100% healthy? Nakamura, AJ and Miz, right? Mhm. Oh, Nakamura like I need to like go to SmackDown tomorrow. Yes, like I would love to see that match. I mean, I don't want to see Bryan wrestle now because I'm scared for him, but Nakamura's finishing move is a knee to the face. AJ's finishing move is a forearm to the face. Or the Styles class dropping you on your head. Or on your exactly. Like if you if you move your head wrong, look at Yoshitatsu or Yoshihashi, whichever one it was. And the Miz's finishing move is a slam on the mat to the face. So we can they can try their best to protect him as much as they want and yeah, he doesn't have to suicide dive anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have to do the stupidest move ever in the diving head, but I hate that move. 
And yeah, he doesn't have to do the missile drop kick where he literally lands and does a full back bump off the top rope. He doesn't have to do that no more. That doesn't mean that he's going to get through a full 10-minute match without possibly taking one or two concussions. But the you know I mean? he had, fair enough, the punches were pulled back that he received last night in SmackDown, but he took an apron powerbomb. Visually, mm-hmm. one of the more brutal moves that you see in WWE. It's not brutal to your head or your neck. Yeah, but that spot scares me. They use that <laughs> spot a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I'm just worried, like, somebody's going to hurt themselves real bad. Taking but I, that think, I think that the fact that they do it so often lets you know how safe it is. Uh, you know how some moves look really devastating, but they're not? Fair argument, fair well, argument. Well, let me, let me ask you this, and I don't want to sound elitist, but have you guys ever taken a bump in a ring? No. Nope. I have. So, uh, at, there was a, before this heart problem stuff, I was going to train a wrestle. Um, so when you take a bump, you have to try so hard not to bang your head off the mat. Like it is something that you like most people who try, who start training, the first thing they do is they hit their head on the mat like 20 times a day because you have to get used to holding your head in a certain, certain way, just on a regular scoop slam, you know, a regular, just a regular slam. So this is a guy who we've already known has been fairly reckless in his wrestling and I don't mean reckless in terms of bad in terms of he does what he's going to do uh, I'm just scared that something's going to happen to him and I know Finisher wrote a really 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 out there column and I actually tend to agree with his notion uh, the title was a bit trolly but you know <clears throat> uh, but I'm scared for him man and you know, I, I don't want you guys to feel bad just because I'm scared for him if you are happy for it, you know, or anybody. But I'm terrified for that dude, man. I'm, I'm terrified. I say cautiously optimistic. My caution is part the health thing, but my cautious is also the terrible writing. Like, the writing <laughs> is just bad yeah. across the board. You know, we say, how could they fuck this up? How could they fuck this up? They fuck Bailey up. They fuck the revival up. They like See, they, they, if you'd have any other two. <laughs> if you'd have picked any other two than Bailey and the Revival, I'd agree with you. But I, I don't think they messed them up. I think that that was ha- the Revival can't be messed up when they're not on TV. Well, they no, got they got to be up to off on that, I'm, I'm going to go off on the Raw Tag Team Division later on in the discussion because okay. like I got a whole thing for that entire division. Okay. So let, let's hold off on that for later. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm interested in that. And the Bailey thing, I really want, like, I want to go in depth on that one day because the Bailey gimmick was destined to fail, in my opinion. Oh, controversial stuff there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's the marquee on the bill, right? When you get when you get Rance on your show. I was in her peak at the height of popularity in NXT. I was 100% convinced that she wasn't even going to be the female John Cena. She was go- she was going to be the next John Cena. Oh, wow. I mean, she was the number one merch seller in NXT with one t-shirt. Yeah. That's <laughs> everybody else. Little girls were eating that shit up. Well, well, look, do you guys want me to tell you the take now or save it for another? I was there for the death of Bailey. Hold on. I was there for the death of Bailey. I was in Greenville, South Carolina it's for Monday Night Raw. For Bailey, this is your life. That was pretty bad. 
that was the death of that that was the death of that character right there that was pretty bad that was like one of the worst things they've ever done that was all time levels of awful killed yeah. absolutely that's that's like Katie Vick bad yeah and Katie Vick was offensive you can't even say that about yeah Bailey's your life offensive. it was just bad it was just bad <laughs> yeah one of these days, you guys will hear my 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 Bailey take. I've been waiting for that one for a, a special occasion. You can save. I don't that. hate her, by the way. I don't hate her, by no. the way. Well, it's got nothing to do with hate. <laughs> See the whole. A couple of things I want to bring up about Daniel Bryan. Doesn't there's two things. He's made it clear that he wants to wrestle again at some point. I would rather that he did it in WWE, where. Mm. He is more protected. Um, he's, this is no knock against the other companies, but as far as I'm aware, he will have the best doctors at, at his disposal. New oh, Japan, uh, the indie style, it's very hard-hitting. New Japan style, the, the strong style, as it were. That's Absolutely. more forearms to the head that you can count. So I think he's safer in WWE. But also, doesn't the, I know you're terrified, Rance, but doesn't the fact that so many... Neurological specialists have said he's fine. Well, let me let me tell you let me give you this let me give you the answer by telling you my personal story. I I've been diagnosed with long QT syndrome in my heart since I was seven years old. What long QT syndrome is for to not turn this into a medical podcast is a defect in the electrical system of my heart, where uh, in my heartbeat there's a longer interval than usual, where if I'm overheated or excited or exacerbated or any of any time my heart gets pumping fast, the electrical system kind of shuts off and reboots itself. And so normally I'd either pass out and eventually I could drop dead. So a lot of these kids you see that are playing sports that just dropped it out of nowhere, have this, have some iteration of this heart problem. I was diagnosed at seven. I was given Numerous EKGs at seven years old. I was given a uh, heart monitor to wear, and they were told they taught me I was cleared after a month. You can live your life. Okay, fourteen years old. I have another issue that caused me to go to the hospital to check it out again. I'm diagnosed again. I'm taken off of everything. I can't even have an alarm clock. Okay, uh, and for a fourteen-year-old kid whose life was basketball, I thought I was going to the NBA. Clearly, that was a lie. But, you know, that was my life. That was hard. All they needed, all they told me I needed to be cleared since I, every other EKG looked good was an EKG from my mom, EKG from my dad. We got that. I was cleared. Here we go uh, again. I have chest pains about six months ago. And um, I go to the hospital. They take uh, EKG that night. Everything's fine. You didn't have a heart attack. Just go see a cardiologist. The cardiologist looks at that EKG he saw from them and literally comes back the next minute and say, why didn't it tell you that you had this? Three separate times I've been diagnosed with something that I've been cleared for twice. I've had at least 25 EKGs in my life, three stress tests, numerous CAT scans and MRIs. Nobody told, but here I am on my third run. So... I, I, I respect the doctors and the neurologists, and I really do believe that his tests came back good. But just because your tests come back good doesn't mean that you're healthy. 
That's my fear. And if you don't believe me, look at Paige. That's fair enough. Paige's tests all came back good, but she's not healthy. And she found that out in the worst way possible. Absolutely. Her doctor told her, yeah, literally, I, I can clear you. You're cleared, but you shouldn't do this. So, you know, so that's that's my fear, knowing that from such an intimate situation in my life, you can tell me that he that every neurologist in the world's passed him. That doesn't take away what he has. You know, it just means that today, yeah, he looks good. See the sorry on you go, Kyle. Oh, I, I was gonna just gonna say I agree with your point about if he is gonna wrestle again, which we all know he was bound to determine to do one way or the other. Yeah. And he's on record saying that. So if he is gonna do it, I do agree with your point that it should be in WWE because he will be protected. Yes. And they do have the money to have the best doctors that are out there. So if something happens to him, he will be taken care of for the long haul. Absolutely. Don't pay that indefinitely. Um, so I, I think that that is a good point. He was going to wrestle again regardless. Mm-hmm. And if he was going to do that, at least he's doing it in the safest place for him to do it. So if I can try and bring it back into the world of kayfabe, um, do you think Brian's inclusion into the storyline from a physical standpoint um, last night has kind of saved this story that's been going on between him, Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? I think it'll make the match better, but it hasn't saved the story because the story should have died five months ago. (laughs) Yeah, the story jumped the shark. Yeah, like, this is going to make the match infinitely better because I would much rather see Sammy and Kevin and Daniel Bryan do stuff in the ring and Shane McMahon happen to be there than have to watch Kevin and Sammy carry Shane through another match. But the story jumped the shark. Yeah, and I'm one of the bigger Shane uh, supporters on the internet and I agree with everything Kyle said I was totally on board with Shane until about six months to a year ago I've always been a Shane defender because the match is usually delivered Yeah. at the end of the day the match is usually delivered I always think back to Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, King of the Ring 2001 that's my favorite match of all time yeah that, that's my favorite Shane match. Like you can't unsee that spot, all those spots of Angle throwing Shane through the stage and all that. Because Shane is a crash test dummy. Like I'm not yeah. saying Shane's a technical wrestler. Yeah. But the match is normally delivered. The problem is now he's become his father and his sister in that he dominates the product. Okay. And with McMahon's, less is always more. When you throw them at the product too much, it kills everything. Like, this storyline has killed SmackDown. This storyline is why the AJ Nakamura feud hasn't really been built at all. Yeah. Because the Uh, real feud has been AJ, KO, Sammy, Shane, Daniel Bryan, (laughs) Buster Some mix of those five, yes. 
and that's been the and that's been the main feud on SmackDown going back to the Superstar Shakeup. Because let's be honest, nobody gave a shit about Randy Orton versus the <laughs> modern day mediocrity. We were paying attention to Styles Owens for that U.S. title. Yeah, that was on purpose, by the way. I'm sure you, they oh, gave you they gave the fans that absolutely. for the for the other thing. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Now the tables have turned, and the U.S. title once again means absolutely nothing. But we'll get to that. In, in <laughs> Y'all came from my hot takes. What about Kyle Moore's? Oh I my know. goodness! I know. My takes are only hot because I'm not. I don't write columns, and I'm not on any pods, so nobody ever hears my takes. That's the only thing that makes them hot. <laughs> this has been bubbling away in you for months, and you're just like, right, all right, let's go. That my takes in the streets. <laughs> I think what I would do to change this is, I mean, I was happy that from last week it was just announced it was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because I, I like watching the, those guys wrestle. I just wouldn't have Shane McMahon involved at all because what we were led to believe the last couple of years is Shane McMahon is that commercial draw. He's the one that brings eyes onto the product just like the rest of the McMahon family. But they've got that this year in Ronda Rousey. They've got that this year, potentially, in Cena Undertaker. They don't need another commercial draw in Shane McMahon. Well, that's like asking you, hey, you got $100,000. You don't want another hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it's just, I mean, I know what you're saying, that you're a Shane supporter, and when he came back, that was a couple of years ago, nearly. That is a couple of years ago now. It's been two years, yeah, because uh, it's yeah. this... Three years, because this, this will be his third WrestleMania match, so it'll be three years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It looks like he's doing more coke with each passing week. Bro, <laughs> look. So let, let me say this. Let me say this. I am a fervent believer that whether you are a announcer, whether you are a plant fan, whether you are a backstage, whatever it is, as long as the story matters, I don't care what you what your your job is as long as you can wrestle. If the story calls for it. That's that's been my whole thing about it. So whenever like you see people get involved uh when uh all the times uh Lawler would come up come out of the booth and wrestle. Like that never bothered me because the story called for it. I I realized that you could create whatever story you want. I know that that's another conversation. But the Shane story has been from the beginning it started fairly organic it started fairly organic uh when him and aj had their beef before wrestlemania last year it started fairly organic and then it organically moved the whole ko shane storyline started organic ko attached his dad what son wouldn't stick up for their dad let alone that but i would argue that it really didn't start there i would argue that it really started during the koaj feud right because yeah he kept some with the yeah. ref bumps and the and the dusty finishes and all of that that was the real genesis of yes. shane mcmahon the incompetent leader which has been an ongoing storyline since the beginning of smackdown live absolutely absolutely That's the character they've created for him so, but he's too much well, so to your point, both of these stories, the Shane AJ story, the Shane KO story, started organically. The problem is, like you said, it lasted too long. Uh, so a storyline with um, a authority figure who's actually wrestling, 
probably shouldn't last, especially that's not in the main event, shouldn't last six months. And, and this has lasted a last, And it darn sure shouldn't last past the Hell in the Cell match. No, Hell that's, that's supposed to be the end. Punctuate fuse. Yeah, it's supposed to be the be all and all. And um, I appreciate that they gave Sammy something relevant to do. But See, I don't mind the match, but yes, I'm with you in that the story has moved on past needing it. But, you know, I just feel like we have an embarrassment of riches now on the Mania card where, you know, I don't, as long as they get 15, 20 minutes, I don't mind it's if Shane Because you know, Mania will be like, what, 10 hours this year? Why not? We're going to watch it. I mean, well, yeah, we are, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. The reason we're, but the reason we even have to have a pod like this is because of a fundamental problem with Mania in that everybody makes the card now. Once mm-hmm. upon a time, everybody didn't make the Mania card. And I know that part of the reason they do it is because there's big pay bonuses involved in being part of Mania and they want their talent who go out on the road 200 plus dates a year to all get that payday because they deserve it. And I agree with that. I agree that they do deserve bonuses for touring all year long, but that bonus doesn't have to be everybody gets on Mania because then making Mania doesn't mean what it used to mean, and it also means that the cards are too long. I love professional wrestling, but I don't want to watch an eight-hour card. That's too long in my Um, Well, Brian... Because I, I got I got to rebut to that, but uh, Brian, you I want you to speak up. Well, one of the things I literally think, apart from maybe the cruiserweights, I think everyone is going to be on this card involving the pre-show. Maybe the cruiserweights will be involved in the the Andre the Battle Memorial. Yeah, yeah I didn't think about that. And sure. obviously, obviously, we have the finalists from the cruiserweight championship tournament. But yeah, look at I know this is a sort of petty argument but I've got work to go to on Monday morning I've not got <laughs> <laughs> that's a valid argument my time it, yeah. and, a valid uh, argument yeah. will be on during the night last year it worked out well because it was the Easter holidays so I had the Monday morning off I was able to watch it uninterrupted but this year it will have to be watched in stops and starts so I'm not able to get that full flow of it and you both know I'm quite the 205 live mark so the first thing I'll want to watch is the cruiserweight final uh, and I'll be able to watch a couple of the matches from the main show but then I have to go to work and then when I come back to work I'll need to get permission from the family to see if I can watch the rest so all that stopping and starting breaks up the momentum so from a purely selfish point of view it's going to be hard but I get I get why they do it it's getting bigger every year there are rumours that the dual brand pay-per-views, which will soon be returning, are going to be four hours, so they have to make the show of shows the longer one. And the card, apart from one which we'll talk about in a wee minute, or apart from a couple, it's quite the card that we've got on our hands, to be honest with you. There's a lot of, even though there are quite a few multi-man matches, um, there's a good few singles feuds that have me rubbing my hands together in anticipation so it will come to a point where I might actually have to just skip some and just watch it in bits and parts what about yourself France? well that's the beauty of having the network it is yeah the beauty of having the network is 
they've basically changed the way you can consume wrestling. You don't have to watch it all in one. So back when we used to order pay-per-views, you had to watch the whole three-hour thing because if you didn't or you didn't tape it, you lost it. Unless you, you know what I mean? Unless you bought the replay. Yeah. And you're not going to spend another forty nine ninety five for something you just spent on. Now, I'm, and within a week, I'm sure, they'll have it uh, earmarked with the moments to where you can click to whatever match you want to start and finish. So that they've kind of changed the way you consume uh, wrestling for this generation of people who only want to see this match, only want to see this entrance, or only want to see this moment. You know, you can do that better now. But I can't speak for how long it is. Yes, it has gotten comically long. I don't mind the six hours, personally, because, you know, when I invest, I invest, and I know I have all year to wait for that. That it got longer than six hours is where it got comical. But my argument to that is simply this. Or at least my argument for having everybody on the card is this. So, uh, whatever television show you like, right? Uh, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, uh, Breaking Bad, anything. On the season finale of the show, if they only showed a quarter of the talent, you'd wonder what happened to the rest of the people. Because you want a season finale is supposed to be uh, tie up all loose ends and all storylines and give you something to wait for for next year. So WrestleMania is their season finale. So being that is their season finale, it wouldn't make sense if Gender, Randy Orton, and Bobby Roode have had this brooding feud for the past two months and they're not on WrestleMania. Like that wouldn't make sense if you look at it from the whole scope. So yeah, they need to find a way to make it more time manageable, but having everybody on the card doesn't bother me as much, especially now that they've had, they've added these two battle Royals, which are just filler matches that should last 15 minutes, probably in totality, both of them each. Mm hmm to get them a quick payday. Hey, I came out, I got my new gear. Hey, hi, bye, and I'm gone. Um, it doesn't bother me in the, in the slightest bit because I look at it like that, or Infinity War for that matter. We've waited 10 years for this. So everybody's screaming, where's Hawkeye, where's Ant-Man? Well, we're screaming that because they've been such an integral part of all the shows, and Hawkeye's not in any commercials. But he's an original Avenger. So I kind of feel like that's the same thing if you were to use the logic well everybody shouldn't be on the card then somebody's gonna get left off so do the usos get left off this year after having one of the best years in tag team history you know what i mean somebody gotta get left off so if the usos get left off this wrestlemania card this year i i, I riot i'm gonna cancel the network if the <laughs> yeah usos I'm, I'm, are not on the mania card i'm with i'm with you 100 percent. but they you see the point never, never once been given a mania match no but my only rebuttal to your point would be I'm cool with it if, going back to what you said with Shane McMahon earlier, I'm cool with it if the story calls for it. Okay. It happens organically. Okay. If it's something that should happen. So, I'm not okay with it when they force an extra person into something or they force um, – we'll get to the U.S. title three-way because I think that entire feud is forced. Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's why. But Which like, is, That's why that's the one that I cited, so sure. Yeah, but I'm okay with having a three-way or a four-way or whatever way if it makes sense, if it calls for it. The three-way for the Intercontinental title, I'm cool with yep. because the Miz has had on and off disputes with both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor 
for several months now. And Finn and Seth have their own dispute personally. Exactly. So I'm totally cool with that triple threat. That triple threat makes a lot of sense. I'm okay with the SmackDown tag team title triple threat because they're the three teams that make sense. It it gels. It's a natural progression of that story that they've been building. I'm not okay with the U.S. title at all, but that's... so I, I know we got. I know we're going to go over some more matches, but I just want to get you guys' opinion, both of you, Clive and Kyle, with this, with this, with that thought process of all the matches that we know are pretty much are going to happen. Like even the ones that haven't been announced. We know that was was pretty much the card is going to be at this point. Take away the U.S. title. I we all agree that that's probably the most underbuilt yeah. match of the card. And I'm still including both Battle Royals for for the purpose of this conversation. Which match, if you had to say everybody shouldn't be on the card, which what matches would you take off? I'll tell you what match I would take off, but not necessarily because the performers in the match don't deserve it. The Raw Tag Team titles don't deserve to be on WrestleMania. Sheamus, Cesaro, and Braun Strowman all okay. deserve to be on WrestleMania. But the Raw Tag Team titles are Andre the Giant, Memorial Battle Royal, all over them. That oh, is okay. a show match. That tag team division <laughs> is garbage. Trash. <laughs> okay. Live? Well, it pains me to say this because... I've said on this podcast recently that Seamus and Cesaro have been the constant in the Raw tag team scene for over a year now. Um, they've been the common denominator in the top-notch feuds that we've had. So I wouldn't necessarily say the tag team division on Raw has been trash, but they ran through them all, and that's not Seamus and Cesaro's fault. They, no, they, it isn't. Uh, they all got buried, so to speak. Not buried, but Seamus and Cesaro made easy work of the most of them. Seth is now a singles competitor. Dean's injured. Yeah. Jason Jordan's injured. Yeah. Braun Strowman. And they feuded with both of all three of those guys for like six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got screwed over by the injury bug. Because if, yeah. if Jason Jordan were not hurt, Seamus and Cesaro versus Jordan and Rollins, and then Jordan turns on Rollins during the match would have been. Yeah. A- a perfect WrestleMania plan uh-huh. that yeah. made absolute sense and would have been a great match. Yeah. But the treatment of Braun as well, he's had the momentum he's had in the last 16, 18 months has been ridiculous. And for him to, I'm not annoyed that Roman Reigns is the number one contender for the Universal title, but they had something really special with Braun. And management booked him so high that I feel as if. Although I said I like Seamus and Cesaro, he's come crashing down into a bizarre feud, which may may or may not see Elias included. But I would unfortunately put that onto the pre-show, especially if we've got the SmackDown tag team title scene, which at the moment I'd enjoy more. That's an insult to those three performers, though. But it's not the performer's fault. This is a creative problem. The reason I said the Raw tag division is trash isn't anything to do with the performers. Because I think that the performers in that division are capable of making it a great division. The Revival are a great tag team. Titus Worldwide could be a good tag team. Okay. Um, Uh Like, they've got the elements in place. You call up an Authors of Pain to throw them in that division. Like, 
there are pieces in place that could make it a good division, but the writing on Raw has told me that I shouldn't take any of those teams seriously. Well, the second Braun Strowman's music hit for that battle royal, it was game over. You knew, and it shouldn't be because if your tag team division is booked properly, I should think even if I know Braun's going to win in the end, I should think that he's going to struggle against the best tag teams. You know, because if the New Day were in that match, I know Braun's still going to win, but I should think that Braun's going to struggle against the New Day. But but, he's going to get their offense. But is that bad writing or bad? So let's look at all the credible tag teams, right? Uh, the revival was credible, but they've been hurt so much that they're not credible anymore, and that's just happens. That's just is what, is what it is. That breaks my heart. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I hate it. All three of us are big revival fans, but you're not credible if you can't show up to work. That's just what it is. Um, the Hardys can't help that Jeff got hurt. The New Day can't help help that Kofi got hurt and they got moved to SmackDown. Uh, the one credible tag team they had was. Uh, as Caleb likes to say, my SMC partner, Shield point six seven, Rollins and Ambrose. <laughs> and they feuded with them for three months. Ambrose got hurt. Then Rollins and Jordan found a way to become competent and Jordan got hurt. So it's not like they're it's not like they're out here uh just having terrible uh having terrible every feud they've been in has been good. It's just everybody they feud with is not credible. And they tried tried hard to make Titus Worldwide credible in the last two months. They really tried. Um, the club, Gals and Anderson, I don't know what they're doing with that. That's another conversation we could have. <laughs> That's the one I'll spot you guys. But other than that, it's not like they're saying, oh, bury these guys. Like, nobody's healthy. Why? You know, th- do, you really, do you really expect for Heath Slater and Rhino to stand up with Cesaro and Shamo? No. Sheamus, no. Because we know Heath Slater is a comedy act. Yeah, that's the only other team I, that I've mentioned that's on the card that I that I hadn't mentioned yet. The reason, I, but the reason I put it on the writers is because, or the, maybe not the writers, the writers and the bookers, because you look at uh, Anderson and Gallows. You look yeah. at Anderson and Gallows. That's they have been failed yes. by creative from the word go. Yeah, they should have come in because their debut was right. They came in and they beat the shit out of the Usos. Yeah. And this was before the Usos completely revived their careers and proved that they're one of the best tag teams on the planet. Yeah. But they debuted right. And then everything that creative has done for them since then was joke status. To the point that they're like they're basically Finn Balor's Miz Taraj. That's all they are. And that's yeah. sad when you consider that this is a former um, this is a former New Japan Tag League cha- uh, winner. This is two-time NJPW Tag Team Champions. They can go. Failed by creative. Titus you... Worldwide treated as a joke. Well, not the past couple months. But, but not, well, I don't mean treated as, but treated like a comedy act. Like, they might win a match here or there, but they're still mostly treated as, like, charismatic, fun-time last guys. Yeah, for most of the part, but I think they really have gotten more of a serious turn the past few months you're mm-hmm. right for the most part but they took Seamus and Cesaro to the limit four times that's, that's fair that, that's fair that's fair fair argument do you guys watch Ride Along never in a game sometimes 
they had the episode where Elias was doing the uh, world tour in the in the uh, limo, and Finn, Gallows, and Anderson were in the SUV by themselves. And <laughs> you know those guys are hilarious. We all know that. Uh, Anderson was saying that you know what's crazy is you know we've uh, since we've been in the company we've had uh, six shirts and we've had uh, a, t- a world title reign, uh, three action figures, and one win. <laughs> so but yeah the, I, I found that funny Gallows and Anderson is a, are the one team that should have and could have been legitimate that has been consistently around um, I'd argue though that any team can be legitimate if you book them to be legitimate they're trying to book the, the revival to be legitimate it's just not working because you're not doing it right you can't book a team to be legitimate and give them the jobber entrance every week and then just because they win the match, they get to give an interview talking about being in the Andre. That doesn't make me take them more seriously. No, oh, you're right. Rescue. You're right. The fact that you buried them on Raw 25, and that was a burial. That was not a. That was not an. Oh, they should feel good because they got to be in the ring with DX and the club. No, that was scrub time. Show up, eat some finishers. Take your ass to the back. Um, I mean, I was told that maybe I had a snapshot decision, impulse reaction that they had been buried. But since then, they've not really clawed out of the grave, to be honest with you. I agree. And that's what I mean. I would agree that they weren't buried if they had been given momentum to continue to build, but they haven't been. So let me ask you this. Let's, 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 let's talk about the elephant in the room with the revival. Can they get over in a mainstream WWE crowd? This is, in, this is NXT. And this isn't me saying this as a revival hater. I love them. I love the revival. But their style isn't one that would naturally get over with a WWE mainstream crowd. And yeah, when they, when they debuted, it was huge because the crowd after WrestleMania is not a mainstream WWE crowd. It is a hardcore WWE crowd because everybody who's there goes to those shows. But I'm talking I'm not talking about the show after WrestleMania in Orlando or the show after WrestleMania in Dallas. Or I'm talking Greenville, South Carolina. You know? I'm talking like these so Kalamazoo, response, Michigan. So my response to you would be we can't know because they haven't actually tried realistically. I mean, because you're right, but I want you to give me an answer. Like <laughs> I believe that they could. I believe that they could Yeah. because I still believe – I know I don't think Vince McMahon believes this, but I still believe that wrestlers can get wrestling over on a wrestling show. I still believe that. I still There's believe that you can be a badass team and get yourself over by being a badass team. They just haven't realistically been given – that shine. I mean, well, sorry. I, I, and if you recall, the revival were a slow burn in NXT. It's not uh-huh. like the revival instantly hit yeah. in NXT. It wasn't until they had that knockout mm. feud with American Alpha. Yeah, no, they had great matches, and just like Emma and Bailey, the great matches got them over, made them endearing to the crowd. Absolutely, but they're not going to do that on the main roster, which is my worry. It's not because. It's just because of the nature of the beast. The nature of the beast is different, you know, in, t- in Titan Towers than it is 
at full speed. But I, th- I think they have more charisma than they're given credit for. Oh, absolutely. I think they get the vanilla midget label too much. Because they absolutely do. Yeah. They got so so because of that, I think they've got the mic skills that they could get themselves over. But one of WWE's main problems on both brands, we've been throwing all the shade on the Raw Tag Team division because I, it insults me how much talent they have in that division and they're not using. But let's not pretend that SmackDown's tag team division effectively uses all their talent because Brizongo should be more than just a comedy team. But they're being they used. themselves over. and they're, they're on the shows, though. Every now and then. Well, for right now. But there okay. was a... A, a months every episode of SmackDown. There were months when they were on the show, but they never did anything. It was just the same episode of the Fashion Files over and over again. Oh, I, you, you, you're right, but Ty Dillinger would kill for that. Ty's not even on the show. True. You know what I'm saying? So it, all these wrestlers tell you maximize your your minutes by being on TV because that's the only thing you the only thing you control is what you do once you're on TV. You can't control getting on there. The Fashion Files had a segment every week, regardless if it was regurgitated in the same thing over and over again, and there was never any point to any of it. They were on TV every week. That's much better than a lot of these. Mojo Rawley would kill to be on TV every week. Yeah, but what frustrates you, though, is if they had used the Fashion Files the right oh, way, they could Absolutely. still be doing the Fashion Files because well, if they, they had they actually don't... used it to promote feuds and to further things, they could still have that. As they still do the fashion files. They're just not on TV anymore. They're on WWE.com. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot WWE.com was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still have them, and they still do further feuds. I, I think the, the issue with the issue with that, and we've gotten way far <laughs> than we from where we were trying to go. But on a two-hour seg, on a two-hour show with, with eight segments, it's kind of hard to make a segment with the world champion, a tag team champion, a U.S. champion, and a women's champion. And an authority storyline, and then make time for the guys who dress in drag and throw out, you know, and like cops and throw out fake tickets. First of all, first of all, gotta love weirdos who are not afraid to embrace their weirdness because it's amazing. But does every champion really need to be on every week? Yeah, in this world, I think they do. And this, in this, this is. The WWE is not NXT, bro. The WWE, I, when you have that many... Okay, let me ask you this. Brian, I apologize for taking over. We have taken over completely. Uh, the floor is all are, yours, guys. Not a problem at all. If you are a basketball fan, right? Let's say you're a fan of the Cavs. And the Cavs come to your town and LeBron don't play. You cool with that? Did they win? <laughs> Yes or no? Because at the end of the day, that's all I really care about. Like, Well, you're a real fan. A lot of these guys are fans of LeBron. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, when you have when you have a champion, you expect for that champion to be somewhat pushed or to the like as a one of the phases of the company. That's not always the case, but for the most part, you know, that's the at least the intention. So Maybe it would be so bad if all the champions were on every week. If all of the champions should be champions. That U.S. title is bad. <laughs> That's conversation. That's another conversation. Hey, well, that let's get into that yeah. conversation because that was one of the matches we wanted to talk about. So, Brian, take it away. Well, yeah, please. 
basically I've got some bullet points here is there anything at all to right see on paper Randy Orton and Bobby Roode should be good right but I th- and I do enjoy Bobby Roode's character I even enjoy Bobby Roode as a baby face but I think their in-ring styles clash too too closely and I think that came across quite like, clearly in their match at Fastlane. It was, wasn't the worst match I've ever seen, but it just felt very plodding. And just sort of was like, right, okay, I'm just looking for this match to be over with. So that feud is continuing off of the back of the SmackDown Top 10, of all things. And now you've brought in the guy who... <laughs> the general... <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I know where you're going with this. You don't have to say it yet. The way he built it up, like you built it up so epically, and you have a guy. Pause. <laughs> a guy who in 2017 was on the receiving end of great ire among the vast majority of wrestling fans and Jinder Mahal. Stop being him. diplomatic. Everybody so average at everything. Uh-huh. Everybody hates. Don't be diplomatic. Say the truth. Everybody yeah. hated. I hate both. I hate thing them. Seventeen for sure. <laughs> I love the hate. I love that. It's hilarious to me. Please continue. Jinder loves oh, the hate I'm as well. As a lot of people do, but I'm just saying he was clearly the most hated thing of 2017 in the wrestling world. Oh, absolutely. And now, oh, absolutely. But they're injecting him into this feud that's already a wee bit below par. Well, I mean, Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal was a terrible feud, but <laughs> to get to like to get to what you're talking about as far as why their styles don't mesh very well, Orton and Rude. Who's Bobby Roode compared to most often as a professional wrestler? Well, besides Triple H, Randy Orton. Well, well, well Triple H. Triple H, yeah. And if you look at some of Randy Orton, as far as, like, least interesting sure. work. It's with Triple H, yeah. Randy Orton and Triple H, those styles, because it's so slow and so methodical yeah. that it's hard to get into. But I think... For me, this feud, the biggest problem is Randy Orton needs to get the fuck off my television. (laughs) (laughs) I am not here for Randy Orton in 2018. Not here for it. I don't care if he wants to grow his hair back and be the legend killer again. I am not here for his shit in 2018. Do you mean the ratings killer? He never went away. John Cena goes away every now and then, comes back, feels a little bit fresh. Batista went away forever, came back, felt a little bit fresh. Brock Lesnar only comes around once every, like, 10 seconds. Or 10 seconds. Once every, like, 10 years. So uh, it feels fresh (laughs) when you see Brock Lesnar. So Randy Orton's always fucking there. And he's never changed his style. He looks exactly exactly the same. And he hasn't changed his character in a good six years longer than that but yeah so, so he's stale do, do you when you were a kid did you play with those uh you know how you have like the uh construction books where you can like do the uh the the dot to dots and all that stuff okay, yeah, 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 yeah the activity books yeah right do you remember the one where it had all the different numbers and you had to paint in a certain order yep the, and Randy Orton is paint by numbers, and no matter how pretty the finished picture looks, it's, it's paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I mean, I, I, he's still he's still great in what he does. It's just he doesn't really care to be great. 
that if that statement makes any sense. Absolutely. He he's he still does his thing well enough for what it is, but his thing is no longer it's no longer interesting. Yeah, there's not it, there's nothing about it that's really all that good. And so Randy Orton in and of itself, I think drags this down even more so than Jinder. Jinder's biggest crime is that he's horribly average at everything. Yeah. yeah. He's not terrible at anything. He's just not good at anything other than look. Although okay. I will say his promo yesterday was probably the best promo I've heard him cut, even better than anything that he cut as WWE champion. Um, yeah. So the, I think the issue that most of y'all really have with this match, um, besides everything you just said, is that the match was built incorrectly. And what I mean by that is... And, we're assuming that all three people are going to stay in this feud, if you will. The feud was always Bobby versus gender. It always was because even, uh, the, the whole, uh, U S title tournament was built to be Bobby versus gender. They were, they met in the finals gender jumped them. So they moved it early and had it in Bobby. So that was always supposed to be the feud. I feel like they realized, Oh, we might need to put Randy Orton in a few for WrestleMania. Might need to do that. Oh, yeah, well, you know, throw him in the uh, throw him in the U.S. title feud, and it made sense on paper because Randy has never beat gender, and Randy has never been U.S. champion. So it made sense on paper. The problem is there hasn't been enough build on television to make the fans say, "Oh, I'm with that," you know. Um, and I think the way they've done it has been about the best they could have done it. Because the only way I can understand Randy being in this feud in general is walking in as a champ. Because the real beef is between Gender and Bobby. Um, but I am... So when we have a feud like this where the feud is a bit lackluster, what, what, what kind of gets me over is trying to uh, looking for something that I can take away from it. What I'm hoping I can take away from this is relating to well first and foremost gender gender should be u.s champ because gender being u.s champ is what he should have been when he won the world title Mm -hmm. yes absolutely he's the perfect u.s champ for what that belt was made for he will get so much heat being who he is with his look and his gimmick and you know modern day maharaja with the u.s belt especially in this climate in, in america like he's perfect for that but I'm hoping to see Bobby get more hillish or at least get more um, vicious because we all know Bobby's much better as a heel. Yeah. But his music is, is his music is the mo- was the most over baby face in the company for about three months. <laughs> so uh, that's my that's what gets me over because I'm not interested in the feud at all. Not. And I know Randy's going to do some. He's going to hit some type of crazy RKO. Maybe maybe the Singh brothers going to. Uh, I don't know something crazy, and he's gonna land it because you know that's advertised archaea out of nowhere is on a t-shirt. But yeah, this is this is the pre-show main event. Absolutely pre-show all the way. Yeah. Um, I, I think Bobby Roode. 
I think Bobby Roode should honestly take that Randy Orton upper mid card tweener place on the roster. Like Randy yeah. Orton needs to phase himself out for all the reasons that we've talked about. But that role of that kind of tweener could be a face, could be a heel, sure. upper mid card. That's a valuable spot mm-hmm. that Bobby Roode <clears throat> could absolutely fill. Yeah, like, he can't be just a generic white meat baby face because WWE white meat baby faces are all the same, and that's why nobody likes them. Yeah, absolutely. There's just one thing I want to bring up about how this feud is fundamentally fundamentally wrong because of this SmackDown top ten voting system. Trash. The mo- the well, you know it's bad because like they had they dropped that idea uh-huh. so fast and they haven't mentioned it since then. And most of the people on the top ten, maybe all of them, were all baby faces. Is that right? Yeah, and the champions inexplicably were in it. Like, why are the champions in uh-huh. the top ten list? Here's the better thing: Ty Dillinger was number nine. He hadn't wrestled in like months. And yeah, what's next? You know, Mike like Bennett make the list. <laughs> I'm right. Zack Ryder should be number five. <laughs> what? But- the thing is, though, there's, there are more he- I actually looked this up on Wikipedia. There are more heels in SmackDown at the moment than there are faces in both of the divisions, the men and women's. So how can, with there's more heels in the roster, would they be happy to vote for the faces? <laughs> Hashtag logic. Hey, hey, this is, this is mainstream WWE. There's no logic involved. I mean, if we're talking roster positioning in general... Baron Corbin has more right to be in this match than Jinder does at this point because Jinder lost the title and promptly fell off a cliff on the roster. Mm-hmm. Corbin, so, other than being buried by John Cena, has for some reason stayed in that cane spot on he, the SmackDown roster. And Corbin so, is effective in multi-man matches. He can have yeah, his moments of fury. Multi-man. Multi-man Baron Corbin matches are the best Baron Corbin matches. Yeah. The, the only... Uh, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler are above this, this match at this point. I'm not saying they're above the U.S. title, but they're above this match because the work that they've done over this past year deserves a higher spot in the card than this. And as crazy as it... Well, what I meant is... Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler for the U.S. title has way more business being on this card than well, this feud. Well, if you if you want to build it the way it should have been, it should have been Dolph should have came back for his belt and emulated his hero and Sean and had the ladder match. Rude versus exactly. Dolph Ziggler. And the ladder match. That's what should have happened. But, I mean, as so I will be a, this is this is a really long sell. But I will be upset about this if Dolph doesn't get a one-on-one next year at WrestleMania. If he's in another multi-man, then yeah, then this was a failure. And I know that's a real long sell. I realize that. But because that's the that if that was the alternative, that would have been better than what we're getting. But if Dolph isn't doing that to get built for a actual real marquee match next year, I'm for it. You know, because if, if he had to do one last Andre to be in the world title match next year? I could live with that. All the money they're paying him, they better give him a one-on-one match next He's year. Get one. He's gonna get one. <laughs> I, just, I just hope it's the one he wants because 
he might mess around and get that Kane versus Chavo Guerrero match. Ooh, ooh. Chavo had his music played. It was a one-on-one match. Chavo classic. <laughs> <laughs> what was his, um, was it Kervin White? Kervin White was his golfer? Yep, yep, Kervin White. It's not right if it's not white. Is it messed up that as a black man I love that gimmick? Is that <laughs> Oh no, I don't think it's messed up because as a Latino person, I found it hilarious. It is the funniest thing ever, and, Dolph, and it's so offensive, but it's hilarious. Oh, super, super racist. Dolph was his caddy as well, if you remember. Yeah, Dolph was his caddy. Oh, yes. Caddy, yes. Back when Johnny, back when Johnny Nitro or John Morrison or whatever the fuck his name is now, he's got like twelve. Was Eric Bischoff's assistant? Yes. Yeah, that God. True name. That's where Nacho came from. Yeah, it's take it back. <laughs> well, we've spent a a wee bit of time on SmackDown. There, we'll move back over to Raw. Now, we've got a couple of ones I want to talk about. The Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar feud has been very divisive. Kyle, what are your thoughts overall on this, and especially with the? the angle that they shot on Monday night there with Roman Reigns being arrested. I had more problem with the angle on Monday night than I have overall. I've just kind of accepted the inevitability of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Regardless of whether we want it, it's going to happen. Roman's going to win because Vince wants that match, and that's just how it's going to be. The angle they ran on Monday insulted my intelligence too much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I am all about willing suspension of disbelief. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. I, I've got a little bit of a theater background, so I'm all about you go to a show and you accept the reality that you live within. But I live in the United States and I live in the South. There ain't no way in fucking hell you assaulted three cops as a person of color in the South and lived to walk away from that. Rangers, bro. <laughs> Texas Rangers. U.S. Marshals. Yeah, those are no, even worse. Yeah, yeah, even worse. Yeah. yeah. Ain't no way in fucking hell. And what, Brock Lesnar's the cavalry after the <laughs> police officers, no backup, no SWAT teams, no sirens. No, Brock Lesnar. We just gonna send Brock in. He got this shit. Oh, God. That's funny. Okay, plot twist. Plot twist. What, what if, and I'm I don't know if you guys are ready for this. They weren't really U.S. Marshals. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it absolutely. That took a lot of suspension, the angle man. could have worked is the thing. The arrest angle itself could have worked. Even not not so much full on beatdown, but like being kind of resistant and struggling as they're pulling him back, like like what they did with Austin in the Attitude Era. That shit could have worked, but dude just beat the shit out of cops in 2018 with all the shit in the news on police violence and stuff. Well, that it was never gonna work. because what should what should have happened was they should have beat him first, and he defended himself. That's what should have happened. But then that's going to look just as bad as cops beating up Samoan man. So it was just, what it should have what they should have done is probably just had security. You know, the security from the building to try to escort him out. And that causes that. And and some kind of way he gets 
handcuffs. I don't know. It it doesn't bother me as much as it does you, but I never thought about it that deeply because <laughs> it's wrestling. It just I didn't want to intelligence so much that it took me completely out of the entire moment. And once that happened, everything that they did for the rest of that part of the angle, I, I was just out of it because I was like, dude, this is too ridiculous for me. I can't. I've checked out. Well, you know what will bring both of you back into it? Uh, have you seen the pictures of Roman's wrists? I did, yeah. Dude, harsh. So if that don't bring you back into it, that he really sold it. Yeah. Let somebody tell you wrestling's fake and watch that. I mean, I was all, I've been invested in this feud quite for the most part of it and even when the fans started booing last week or sorry when they started cheering last week when Vince had temporarily suspended uh, Roman people started cheering and I thought here we go the fans are turning on this angle already what I would have done this week is just a few tweaks you would have had Brock come down first and Paul Heyman cuts his usual promo and then have Roman come in through the crowd and then they, they lay into each other and have a brawl Maybe not on the same level as the brawl that Brock Lesnar had with Undertaker back in the summer time of 2015, but something close to that, where they both were taken away, arrested, and that's how the the shows ended. So you're left in a cliffhanger. Like You've already got people cheering that Brock came down. They could have both been taken away. Um, A bit of ambiguity there, and it keeps that storyline going. It's just, I've been all for it, but that segment on Monday just didn't really do it for me. Well, can I disagree with you? Can I tell you why I disagree with that? Uh-huh. You know how many times we've seen that pull-apart break, pull-apart feud, pull-apart brawl? I appreciate it that they put a different spin on it. If the spin on this entire angle is Brock doesn't really give a shit about coming to work, and nobody, he doesn't get in trouble for not coming to work. That's the whole point of this, right? Because Roman got suspended for just saying it. He didn't do anything wrong. He just said it. And he got suspended. Brock don't come to work for three weeks, and he's advertised for the next show you know uh-huh. so if that's the big angle then I appreciated how they built it with Roman just walking in the building because I mean if if you're not going to stop Roman let's, let's, who, let's say you bought a ticket or he walked through the front he's on the he's on the building you're not going to stop him from walking in right and with confu- we're making the fans think again Brock isn't there again which is going to get some heat and I appreciate it with Brock actually being there the whole time and bum rushing him. The the way they went about it with the cops and all that. Yeah, but the one thing it did do, and yes, some people did did cheer and say you deserve it and all that. But for the most part, Roman was was really baby. That let's Roman, Rome, like he really got a lot of positive affirmation for a good portion of that beatdown. Um, there's always going to be a subset of the crowd that hates him. That's that's you, that's you can't change that. But I think as perfectly as you could have done it, because there's no way everybody's going to hate Brock. There's nobody. Everybody's going to love Roman. It's just not going to happen. But for the most part of that segment, Brock got a lot of heat. Roman got a lot of love. Wasn't perfect, but it's not going to be. Those two guys are so uh, controversial. Is such an overused word involving those guys but controversial and polarizing polarizing is a much better word good job thank you they're so polarizing with the fan base that they're gonna get a mixed reaction always always so I think they built in in, if nothing else at least the story can be 
Well, is Vince behind Brock? Because they said Brock wasn't there, but Brock ran out as soon as he got arrested. And well, is Roman gonna in the in the same in the same boat that Shane got a little bit of sympathy back by the beatdown he got from Sammy and Kevin because it was too far. Roman got a little sympathy back because the beating he got was too far. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent heel Lesnar, hundred percent face Roman. But I think it's the they've gotten and yes. the whole build. Absolutely. And the even though I think the segment dragged too long, based on your point, that probably is a good thing. Because if the beating hadn't been as long as it was, I don't think Roman gets the sympathy. Yeah. If they end it when he was being put on the backboard the first time and people are chanting, you deserve it, it was just more like proof of, see, they go through all these lengths to try to force everybody to like Roman Reigns and it doesn't work and it just causes more people to turn on him. And by having it go that extra length, it got more of that baby face reaction from the crowd. And, and and Brock's best attribute, and this you're going to laugh when I say this, but the best attribute Brock Lesnar has as a pro wrestler is we don't know if he's really adhering to the storyline or not. <laughs> Brock Lesnar's best attribute is that, unlo- or is that he's like, uh, he really is a dick in real life. Yes. <laughs> so we don't know if he just did that on his own. He is a dick in real life. Like, Absolutely. That is Brock's best attribute. So that makes him naturally hateable yes. in a way that you really are willing to pay money to watch him get the shit beat out of him. That was his UFC gimmick. People loved him in UFC because people wanted him to get fucked up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I think it worked. And, I mean, you guys know I very publicly thought Braun was going to win the Elimination Chamber. (laughs) And it was very, very, very publicly shamed for that because I was dumb as hell for thinking that. I mean, you were dumb. Uh, Thinking it, but Braun should have won the Elimination Chamber because Absolutely. Braun should be main eventing WrestleMania because it's the organic thing to do. It is organic. Um, again, see, I, see, that's going to lead me somewhere else. I don't know if we should talk about. The, I'll let Brian decide. Do you want to move on, or you want to do you want to expound on that statement? You've clearly got something you want to get off your chest, so go for it. So, yes, Braun is absolutely the hot guy. And based on crowd reaction and what he's done this year and the story with him and Brock, he should be main eventing. My only fear is Braun as world champion is going to fail miserably right now because he's not ready. He's over. Yes. He's charismatic. Yes. But when... The show was built around him having to cut promos for 15, 20 minutes, having to have 20-minute matches every week. And I understand that because he's a monster, they can kind of play around that. But watch that match with him and Cesaro this week. It, it was all right. I had better hopes. Right. I had higher hopes for that match because they're two very strong men. I thought it would have been better. So, But, but Braun's not a very good wrestler. And that's not his fault. He's been doing this like three years. So it's not his fault, but that's the issue. That's the only issue I got. Well, and I wonder also, though, how much is, and I mean, you know, we could argue whether they do this or not. How much were they holding back because we know they're going to face each other in Mania? Like, I firmly expect Cesaro to at least try to do the spin 
on Braun at Mania. I don't know that he'll be able to do it, but I firmly expect oh, okay. him to try that spot. He 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 spun Mark Henry and he spun Kali. He can spin. Uh, he can spin Braun, oh. but that's defense. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Braun. So you can't do anything when Cesaro is so strong when he decides to do something to you. There's not much you can do, right? <laughs> so but what I mean is Cesaro is one guy. Okay, so Braun has had the luxury of being, I don't want to say he's been carried for the most part, but to a certain extent, he's he's been, every angle he's been in has been with, for the most part, somebody that can get a good match out of him. Sami Zayn, Roman, the Brock match, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He's really been lucky in that regard. But, you know, and then every other match he's in is just squash, squash, squash. When you're the world champ, you're not going to have that luxury because other than Brock, they haven't booked they haven't booked a champ like that in a long time. And Brock is so unique. So my that's my only fear is that the crowd's going to turn on him eventually when they realize he can't do all this, which is why, if you, you want to be real about it, Besides, the, I understand Roman had only wrestled one singles match before he got won the Rumble and all that, and the crowd, sure. But the but the biggest issue was that Roman wasn't ready, right? At 31. Roman was more ready at 31 than Braun is now. And, and I really believe that because Roman, I, even not, at that point, could structure a match. I'm not going to disagree with you that Roman was more ready than Braun is now. I'm not going to disagree with that. But I say the main difference is the crowd wasn't ready to embrace Roman at no, 31, but yes. they are ready to embrace Braun right now. So, so do you, you think... think- I don't necessarily think that your fear is unfounded. I think that there is the risk that long-term, because he's a monster, and monster acts, that's what happens. Monsters come in, let's not forget... Kane, when Kane debuted in 1998, won the WWF title. Like, he only held that shit for 24 hours. But (laughs) Kane beat Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title. Monsters lose their shine. Big Show came in real, real hot. Big Show had a lot of longevity because Big Show is, you know, I know Undertaker is probably the best big man of all time. Big Show is a close number two, and people don't give him enough credit. 100%. For being mm-hmm. the amazing big man wrestler that he is. For so 100%. long as well. For such a long Who? time. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, he did so well at such a high level for such a long time, reinvented himself, understands the character aspect of wrestling a way that a lot of people don't. But same sort of issue so i think that that issue is going to be there for braun no matter what because of the type of wrestler he is big man monster wrestlers lose shine over time and knowing that i think you have to capitalize still hot okay because otherwise we run the risk of he starts to cool down but WWE gets so one-track-minded these days that if they've decided that next year's WrestleMania is the Braun Strowman show, but come SummerSlam, Braun's lost all his momentum, Vince is still going to main event Braun at that WrestleMania, and we'll get a lesser moment than we could have gotten if they strike while the iron's hot. And Rance, I know I do agree that he's not the best wrestler that's on the roster at the moment, but I think if 
they did strike Gruel Island was hot, even all the way back at No Mercy. Fans would have been a, a lot more forgiving of the fact that he's not the best wrestler because he's such an overall great entertainer at the moment. He's got so much going for him outside of the ring. It's right now, yeah. They would right now, but if he held a belt for six months, they'd, they'd get tired of it by then. This 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 crowd is this this is an unrelenting crowd that wants what they want. This this is that that's what the crowd has become now, and yeah, they're gonna cheer him because he's interesting and he's doing things that no other human being has ever done in a wrestling ring. He's done a bunch of that stuff, but eventually, this crowd is a wrestling fan crowd. They want to see you wrestle, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm talking about the internet crowd, right? Casual's gonna love him regardless. And eventually, somebody's got the narrative's gonna be well. Yeah, Braun's cool and all, but he ain't had no four star matches. I mean, look at Miz. Miz was cutting fire promos half his career, but couldn't wrestle a three star match for his life, and he was hated until he started wrestling three and a half star, four star matches. That's true, right? And Braun ain't cutting great promos. He's just doing interesting things. How long can you book? How long can you continue to book him perfectly? You know what I mean? He's been booked to he's been booked to perfection at this point, with with the exception of not winning the championship uh-huh. at No Mercy. He's been booked to basic perfection. So how long can you continue to do that? I agree, but I would counter argue that because of it, exactly that, that's why if you're going to make him the champ, you got to make him the champ. And then when the crowd turns on him, this is part of. A show that's constant. This is part of running a year-long show that's constantly evolving. Yeah. The crowd turns on it. You got to reinvent it, and you got to yeah. retool it, and you got to redo it. And I think that part of your fear is more: we don't trust creative to do that than it is you don't trust him to oh, be to, do with him. to yeah. evolve and invent reinvent himself. It has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with creative in the in the crowd because creative in the crowd are in this 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 perpetual test of strength. And creative tries to flex their muscle and do one thing, and the crowd's like no. And then the crowd tries to flex their muscle and do another thing, and creative's like no. So they're always in this perpetual battle. And Braun and many other wrestlers, Roman being probably number one, are stuck in the middle of that. But I look at you said Big Show and Kane, who are two of the greatest of all time, but Kane won that title. And then started to languish. Show won the title, and then really languished. Languished so much, got sent back down to OVW. <laughs> I would much rather Brock sacrifice this one title and build himself to a point where he's untouchable for five years, than have to go through that the peaks and valleys that Show did. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And that's, that's and that's what I want for, for Braun because Braun is such an interesting human being, and has shown himself to be so cool. And if as a person, well, and if you listen to him in interviews, he loves the business and he yes. wants to. He takes this very seriously. He yes. wants to be in that category with Kane and Big Show and <laughs> and those levels of big man wrestler. He wants to be that. Um. I just want I his want his wants to match what he gets. Well, and I, but I also do think his body type, not so much his size, but his body type, mm-hmm. does limit his in ring ceiling. Okay, I'm not saying it's impossible for him to do a five star match because it's not. 
No, not at all. But especially in our modern time of smaller wrestlers, your average headliner has gotten considerably smaller mm-hmm. than they've ever been. And if we keep the model of importing indie guys, you know, Kenny Omega's the hottest ticket on the planet right now. Six one ish. Yeah. Ish. And and even the big guys on the indies like Keith Lee and Walter and Jeff Cobb and I know uh, Donovan Dijak signed, but, you know, they're big, but they're moving like cruiserweights. Exactly. And so it's not impossible for a guy like a Braun to wrestle a high-caliber match, but I do think that his moveset is more limited because of his build and because of the types of wrestling that we're exposed to now, that's going to forever limit his star ceiling for a lot of people. And that's my fear. So I'd rather him get untouchable than to strike while the iron's hot now and then to him go on a steady decline for the rest of his career. So if he sacrifices this one this one uh, title match that he might have won and get to a point where he becomes Taker-esque, where no matter what he does, he'll never be lower than this, fan support notwithstanding, I would rather that because I'm going to want the best for these guys, you know? I guess my biggest worry is just I don't know what it would take for him to get to that level that you're talking about. That's Yeah, I don't either, but we have to trust creative, and we know where that take gets us. Yeah. So We know why we can't do that, because we're talking about how Braun's match should be on the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all said that. Not me. Braun, if you listen, Rance ain't say that. No, Braun shouldn't be on the pre-show, but that match is pre-show and a half. By the way, um... I don't know how you feel about this because I, I, I think you and Ricky love Elias. If I'm not, if I'm not uh, yeah. incorrect, I've loved right. him since his NXT days, and I was shocked at how popular he has become on Raw. To be fair, I he agree. Can he can work a crowd. I just because I'm 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 big on uh, subtleties in, in the story, and if Braun wrestles it is clearly he's not now. They've already announced he's going to have a partner. But if Braun would have wrestled that match against Cesaro and Sheamus as a handicap match, that's a beautiful callback to when Braun debuted and was begging for more competition. Mm-hmm. Remember? I want I wanted him to wrestle that match solo. I wanted him to pull a Matt Morgan, old school blueprint Matt Morgan. Oh, the blueprint. <laughs> the champions. I wanted him to be like standing in the middle of the ring and put his hands over his head and clap like he's tagging himself. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. And then think about it. Braun eliminated four of the best wrestlers in the world. Five. He got every he got every elimination but himself, and that was the seven person chamber. Oh, you're right, it was seven, yeah. Thank you. It was seven. So five. Um so when he was like, Look, I ain't got shit to do for WrestleMania, so might as well give myself a challenge. For Braun, his challenge is the tag team champions of like nine months. Well, and I wish you'd have said, I already have a partner. This hand, <laughs> these hands are the as, tag team champions. As Tyler Bate would say, bop and bang. So, yep, bop and bang. These hands are my partner. So technically, it's still a handicap match, but it's in his favor. So it's three on two. Him and yeah. the oh, oh, I like it's that. handicap match. Boom. You should, you should work for WWE uh, marketing. I like that. <laughs> 
he should just tag himself in do what they knew they do go through the ropes round the turnbuckle stomp a mud hole and Seamus' his arse uh, <laughs> oh that'd be great I just, well I would have just loved to see him call back to his first push and have Cesaro and Seamus stacked up and just double power slam both of them <laughs> at the same time yeah see and I, it wouldn't even be a burial to me because that would be just so great to watch. Uh, I mean, we've sort of criticised it, but I think it actually might be very entertaining. That would oh, be I'm, a great hot opener. That would be a great hot opener. Get everybody their brawn fix early. He'll get a great pop because he's mega over right now. That's a great hot open. Uh, I mean, it could be, but I mean... It's hot good, over to- good for a 10-hour show. <laughs> oh, well... Anything's a good hot over the 14 hour show. Oh. Well, because we already know that the P break matches are the two battle royals. Let's be real here. Well, the Andre's going to be on the main on the uh, pre show for sure. The women's is going to be on the main card only because it's the make first. that shit a big deal because of the documentary. And the well, no, that's, that's not why. Well, I, uh, I, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe, but then what match is going to get pushed? To pushed to the pre-show to the pre-show. We've all we've US all agreed. We know that's fine, but they're gonna need at least three. That's one. So what's the other two gonna be? Nia versus Alexa. Yeah. They've got no business <laughs> on the main card. You don't think so? No. No. Here's I- why. Here's why. It's not. It's not why the reason you think. Because the feud was never Nia and Alexa. That was like a re- an out of nowhere thing. I don't think the- so. No. I just don't I have think, any interest in it. I just don't no, have any interest well, in see, it. That's, I'd rather you say that than to say it doesn't have a story. Because <laughs> it has a story. Because you could very clearly tell the entire time they worked together, Alexa was using Nia the whole time. She would hide behind her and give that giddy smile. Or when she uh, tried to convince Nia that Oscar was talking trash about her, Nia was like, wait a minute. Oscar don't speak English. Like she's been trying to get Nia to do her dirty work forever and finally got caught. I thought they were going to run this story like five months ago when Nia dropped her the first time. That's the problem. They should have ran it when they did. Should have ran it when it was it it made when it was more since then. Yeah. Now it's Nia's still more ready now. now though. I will say this: Nia is more ready now. Yeah. Than she was when they did that spot, and Nia is ready for that bell. And oh, they yeah. need to get it off of Alexa because, like, I don't hate Alexa Bliss as much as a lot of people do because I understand the role that she plays within the division. She's the best mic worker they've got on yeah. Raw until they turn Sasha heel. Like, yeah, agree. Like, that's just all there is to it. People can hate on that all they want, but she is. And so, like, I respect the the role she plays on the card, but she's had that belt forever. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. She's run through everybody but Asuka, and Asuka went to SmackDown. Randomly. Yeah. Out yeah. of nowhere. They handled that very poorly. You, bro, okay. They did, but I, I don't care. Like, I really don't care that they've handled uh, Asuka's... Well, I'm, excited for the, I'm excited for the match. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not excited for that match. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. I just think they handled the... Uh, who she's going to challenge thing poorly. Yeah. They shouldn't have had Asuka and Alexa feud for a, for the last wee while. Exactly. 
that's so my big problem with it. If they'd have just made it an who's she going to challenge thing the entire time, I'd have been much more okay with it than this whole it's going to be a triple threat match and then Asuka just randomly out of nowhere shows up at Fastlane. Let me tell you why I disagree with you guys real quick, and I'll make it real fast. <laughs> Alexis, Alexis' character is one that is paranoid as hell and terrified, right? She's terrified of Asuka. It makes sense that Oscar, that not, that Alexa would automatically assume not, she, that Alexa's gonna uh, gonna face her, so preemptively strike. This is what she did with Naya. She made Naya go attack her. That's why Naya and her had that match at uh, Elimination Chamber, right? Kurt made Naya, made the rule that Naya would be in the title match if if she won. Kurt did that, but Alexa was trying to pull strings to because she just knew. That Oscar's gonna come after her. Oscar never said anything. Never said anything to anybody. So at Burr Rumble, Oscar probably was gonna say Charlotte, but she never had the opportunity and she kept getting jumped and jumped and jumped. So she had some finished business to handle. And then when it was time to go ahead and handle business with Charlotte, she went in on and handle business. Mm-hmm. And her reason is perfect. I beat you already. I'm not interested in that. Uh-huh. I want the best. And you're right that she probably would have said that in the Royal Rumble, but along came Peter Pointer herself. Well, see, you see how much of a professional I am? I led you right into that. Oh, beautiful. I'm telling you. Beautiful segue there. <laughs> <laughs> you just beat me to the punch. Thank you, sir. Um, so, obviously, Ronda Rousey has made headlines both in and out of the ring with her. They've been saying that she's going to be full-time how many times has she been on Raw since she said she was going to be there full time? And I'm talking she's about TV. She's only missed one show. She's only missed one show. She's only missed one yeah. show. Would you count the? I don't know if I'd count the, the dark segment. What'd you say? What'd you say, Kyle? Technically, I was saying the same thing Brian was saying. Technically, it's two because on Monday she was only in a dark segment. She yeah, but they showed it. On, but they showed it. On, but they showed it on on Twitter and and their YouTube. Oh, they acknowledged that she was there. Yeah. So, I mean, if they wouldn't have acknowledged that she was there, then I would agree with you, but they acknowledged it and showed the entire segment. Okay, all right, all right. So she's missed one. I think they just shouldn't have said she's going to be on every week. Like, you you announced that she's joining the roster and you announced that she was joining full-time and that she had signed a three-year contract. That's all you got to say. You don't have to set the expectation that she's going to be on every week because then you then set yourself up to break yeah. that expectation. Yeah, that was a misstep. The people that are already there aren't on every single week. So what, I mean, that's what I had issue with. You've got people that aren't turning up every single week, but they made a point of saying it at the Elimination Chamber. She said, I want to, I want to ride with everyone in the back. Don't treat me like anything special. I want to be here every week. And they actually retracted the call at the news headline on their website then they put it back up but I wouldn't count a TV, like a, a vignette that's a really hard word for me to say Vig, vignette vignette <laughs> vignette, right, both times and the video bit, the wee, the wee video bit <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a, a, a sort of dark segment with Dana Brooke afterwards, which, by the way, I th- quite enjoyed that throw, that the sort of suplex, judo suplex that she gave Dana Brooke. That was quite a cool she, move. She threw the hell out of it, absolutely. 
And then Thank I landed you. right face plant on the microphone, which must have been sore as well. Red band. But do you think they've maybe they've not furthered this story for the last couple of weeks now? Have they run out of stuff to do with it already? I don't think they've necessarily run out of stuff to do with it, but I think that this is one of two matches, the other one being Nakamura Styles, where they're relying almost exclusively on the name value Mm -hmm. to sell the match. And they're not actually putting a lot of effort into it beyond that. Um with Rousey, they're t- they're just hyping it as, oh, this is going to be Ronda Rousey's first match. Kurt Angle's involved. Triple H and Stephanie are involved. And so those names in and of itself, it's just kind of like, all right, that should sell you on it. We'll keep showing you the same video package week after week after week, and she'll say the same thing every week about it, but we're really just relying on their names to sell this to you. So... You're not wrong in terms of the point. You're, yeah, they're definitely relying on name value. But in terms of the story, let's look at it from what we know about the characters involved. Okay? Mm-hmm. Stephanie McMahon is the type of person that never gets touched. The last time she got touched, she got put through a table and didn't come back for like seven months. Right? Yep. Yeah, Ronda slammed the hell out of her so it would make sense being who Stephanie is to not come right back because Stephanie knows physically I can't do anything to you right for Triple H it makes a little less sense because Triple H is used to bumping he's a former world champ this that and the other but but Triple H stopped coming to Raw every week like three years ago Triple H is the other thing so is playing into what they normally would do. They normally wouldn't show up on a regular basis. They were only showing up because they had what they called the greatest signing they've ever made. Once she kind of Frankensteined them and revolted, they're probably sitting back, licking their wounds, trying to figure out how they're going to get back at it before WrestleMania. Which, so I, so it's not, I, don't, I don't think it's just, oh, they put pause in the storyline. I just think that it makes more sense for the story for... Uh, Triple H and Stephanie to not be there for a couple of weeks because that's what they would do. That's what their characters would normally do, whether it was Ronda or Brie Bella or Sasha Banks or whoever it was. That's what they would normally do. Yeah, but at the same token, I don't think it's crazy to have the thought of have they like what's going on here because let's no, not, not at all. time that Triple H pedigreed Seth Rollins and we didn't address that for like seven months afterwards. And then they just randomly pick that back up again. So, like, they do have a track record for randomly stop starting a lot of stuff. And and they, again, as we address, they back themselves into that corner of, oh, Ronda's going to be on here every week. But if she's not ready to wrestle, which is why they're not putting her in squash matches, because she's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. You think that's why? I think that's why. I think she's a badass fighter, but I don't think I don't think they want to throw her in these random squash matches to kill the allure when she's uh, not ready to carry a twenty minute match yet. I don't think that's why at all. Any new any new major signing? Not we're not talking about Mike Bennett, right? No offense to Mike Bennett, like major level signing, right? Or 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean no diss to dude, but you know, <laughs> like major, 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 major level signing, right? They're not gonna just put them on random Raw when WrestleMania is three weeks away. They're oh, saving her in ring debut for Mania. So why would so she's getting physical with people, but she wouldn't have a quote unquote match because what they want to say is, well, her first match, her first official match, was at WrestleMania. It would look really, really bad if they said, well. Ronda Rousey's first official match was at it was at uh, some random Ron Dallas. Yeah, but I but yeah, but and this is not a disrespect to Stephanie McMahon because she's more talented in the ring than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Sure, she's not a five star wrestler or anything, but she's more talented than people give her credit for. Ronda's first match is an is a mixed tag with Kurt Triple H and Stephanie because mm-hmm. they don't want to make Ronda run a 15 20 minute match on her own on her first shot i believe so I, they want to give her the opportunity to figure things out first as far as how to run a match before they throw her to the main roster people so if we were to lay out all the reasons why this is the match mm-hmm. i'm sure that's one of them i don't but take I think the reason yeah, I, because I, I I I feel like okay, so Ronda Rousey is a person who we know has never wrestled a professional wrestling match ever. Ronda Rousey is a person who, because of her name value and and her draw value, deserves a certain level of spot on the card, mm-hmm. regardless of what she's ever done. She's earned that based on who she is. And Ronda Rousey is also a person who's in a very strange position to where she's going to have to win her first match for any type of credibility, right? Absolutely. So her first match isn't at SummerSlam. Her first match isn't at uh, at Royal Rumble. Her first match isn't at Survivor Series, Money in the Bank, Extreme Rules, whatever. Her first match is at the biggest show ever, WrestleMania. So you can't throw her in there in a regular squash match. You have to give her a match so unique. You have to give Ronda a match that makes that makes her look like she can actually be competitive. You have to give her a match that can actually make people interested. And you have to give her a match to where the person who loses won't lose any steam. Right? The only person who fits that bill on the entire card is Stephanie. Stephanie can lose a hundred million times. It doesn't matter because she's a boss. She's not a real wrestler. She's still but she's the Right, but she's wrestled enough to where at least we know she can wrestle. Stephanie may not be a draw in our eyes, but she's the most visible, one of the most visible people in the company. Stephanie's always been a draw. Stephanie's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> you like, said it. I, I, Stephanie is a draw. P- people want to pay to see her get her shit rocked. Yes. She just never actually does. That's the problem of Stephanie McMahon. Perfect. It's not that she doesn't get you to hate her. It's not that she's not good at her character, and it's not even that she doesn't like the business. Stephanie's problem is we pay because we want her to take bumps, and she only takes one a year. Yeah. And the rest of the year, she throws everyone under the bus. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, that, so, yes, that too. And then the beauty of it being a mixed tag is we know Hunter can wrestle very comfortably a 20-minute match right now. Kurt, maybe not, but that's part of the allure. I want Kurt to be limited. I honestly would rather Ronda get more time in this match than Kurt because I'm not afraid. 
But here's the reason. I'm not afraid for Ronda's health. I agree with you. 100%. I'm not afraid that Ronda or Stephanie are going to break themselves yeah. at any point. I'm afraid for Kurt's health. Oh, big time. Kurt showed up to a couple of Raws and sounded real like Jeff Hardy levels of Adam. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt stands in a S. <laughs> like, he like, stand up straight anymore. He is permanently hunched. Yeah, he stands, and it's, I don't even, I don't even scoliosis. Like his knees just come out, and it's like he stands in the letter S. It's terrifying. So you're absolutely right. I am terrified of him, but you know that's how the match is going to be laid out. Oh yeah, I know, I know. It's going to be Kurt and Hunter carrying the match. Ronda will get the hot tag. Stephanie will more time than we think, though. I think Ronda's going to get more time than we think. Yeah. Oh, Stephanie's going to take a couple of L's. I firmly expect Ronda to throw mm-hmm. her around once or twice. Before she locks in that submission, yeah, uh, it's going. That'll probably get quite a lot of time if they're making such a big deal out of it with regards to getting the press involved. Twenty-five minutes at least. Oh, I don't know. It'd be that long. I, I'd give it thirty, and only, and I say only thirty because Triple H is going to take five minutes to get to the ring. <laughs> it's WrestleMania. At least they'll come down at the same time, though. Triple H and Steph. Yeah. Don't assume. Don't assume. You think Steph's gonna come out to "I'm all grown up"? What, what's the new music? What's the music now? I don't. Oh, the Queendom. Yeah. Welcome to the Queendom. Yeah. I don't know that. I'm not saying that she definitely will, but I wouldn't put. I learned a long time ago. Never put anything past a McMahon at WrestleMania. <laughs> you never put anything past a McMahon at oh. WrestleMania. That would be the most self-indulgent thing in wrestling history if Stephanie doesn't come out with her husband. Would you be surprised? No. No. That's all that matters. <laughs> it could happen, it could not. But if it happened, you wouldn't be surprised. So so you mentioned AJ and Shinsuke. What do you think about the build, Ryan? Uh, I know we, need to, we should be calling you by your kayfabe name, so I apologize. Clive, what all, do you think? That's all right. I have revealed the reason for the Clive in a few podcasts ago, so it's not much of a secret now. That's just my, my ring name. Uh, I'm happy that it's happening there's not been much build towards it and I I fully understand that Nakamura is a big deal mm-hmm. in the ring but I haven't seen that since his match with Sami Zayn two years ago I've not if I've only started watching WWE since the Raw after Wrestlemania the year that he was there I wouldn't have known Nakamura was such a big, like such a great wrestler. So I'm yep. going into this thinking, right, everyone's talking about Nakamura being such a great deal. I know that AJ Styles can wrestle a broomstick to a five-star match, but yeah. Nakamura can't wrestle a broomstick to a five-star match from what I've seen. Not in the WWE style. I know. He's struggled very hard with that transition in style. Yeah. But you know who... You know who you know who I think they should have followed the mold of when they were bringing Nakamura in? They should have followed the mold, rest in peace, to the late, great Umaga. They should have followed that blueprint, given him a good, solid mouthpiece, and just let him be a badass. Well, he, he could have been a problem. baby face, and he could have been more charismatic. You think so? Just let him be a badass. You think Nakamura's character will work with a manager. I don't think it will. Because Nakamura's, man- Nakamura's character, and I mean his real life, who he is in real life, is he's a free spirit. 
he does what he wants. You know, he 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 he's Michael Jackson slash man. Freddie Mercury slash Randy Couture. You know, like he's. I so, agree with that, and I don't think the manager in this case is there to control him. I think the manager is more a translator because Nakamura's character problem is that he doesn't have a way to communicate that character because yeah. his English is still too choppy. And yeah. I understand that because English is an incredibly hard language to learn. Yeah. And that's his biggest problem from a character perspective. So he needs a mouthpiece to do the talking for him because as we just discussed, the in-ring work is not translated and they didn't do video packages and they refused to really acknowledge the new Japan history. And I understand why, but that's why he's Shinsuke. So, there's another reason why I think Nakamura hasn't worked so far, at least to the level we expected. And that's because I feel like, so the reason Nakamura worked in NXT, in my opinion, was because we didn't see him every week. Right? So the big, giant entrance, you, it, you're you excited to see it when you only see it once a month. Right? Or twice if you have, uh, you know, if you're lucky or you have a takeover card. Um, but to see him, he's not the type of guy like you can see AJ every week and it's it's the same. But Nakamura is such a, a an enigma to use a WWE term uh, that he's uh, he's truly an attraction in the in the true sense of the word. In that, the less you see him, the more important he feels. The more you see him in WWE, I'm speaking in New Japan terms, but the more you see him, the less important he feels. So that's what I think the issue is, and they've tried to do that. Because when he first debuted, remember he was on t- he was on TV every week. He was he came on TV every now and then, and to me, he felt more important. But the crowd was begging to see him more, and then they started showing him every week, and he started languishing because he's not meant to be seen every week. So it's a very weird mix. Add to that that he speaks pretty good conversational English, but it's the difference between having a conversation and being on cue on TV. And he, yeah, he's struggling with that. He's doing better, but he's struggling. So those two things put together have has made him a very uh, weird thing. And he doesn't see, he didn't seem very interested for a good portion of his of his of this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because he didn't like who he was being placed against, but he didn't really seem like interested. Because watch what watch how he looks like when before the John Cena match, and then watch how he looked like before that Dolph Ziggler match. There's a I, huge difference. I agree with what you're saying. I don't think, though, it's because he didn't like who he was against as much as I think for a guy like him mm-hmm. who was, like, he was the guy in New Japan. He was... Well, Tanahashi, but yeah. He yeah, was number two. Him and, but he was up there with, yeah. on that Tanahashi-Okada level. He was the rock to Tanahashi's Stone Cold, yes. And so he was always a top guy and everything that he did always mattered. And then when he was in NXT, the way that he was used, he was always a top guy and everything that he did always mattered. For a good part of the mid-portion of that time that you're talking about where he looked disinterested, he he was the definition of irrelevant mid-card. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a guy like him who's like, no, I main event Wrestle Kingdom, I don't curtain jerk random editions of SmackDown. That's fair. That's fair. 
I win the G1, I don't wrestle nobodies for no fucking reason. Yeah. I, I made a mid-card belt bigger than the main title. Exactly. Yeah. No, you, I, and you're right. Exactly. I think they you're want, right. They want me in the main event of WrestleMania because of an intercontinental championship match I had four years ago. Speak, so speaking of that, speaking of that, if I can move to the build, mm-hmm. I don't think the build has been bad because the build doesn't need to be good. And that sounds really fucked up and <laughs> weird and convoluted. But the reason I say that is because from the very beginning, from their first um, showdown at Money in the Bank, it has been very well acknowledged on camera and off that this is a match that both of them wanted, that this was going to be the wrestling fans match, right? Because of that, this be, then this is one of the four main events. Main event not being CM Punk's main event, but main event being marquee matches, right? Promoted matches. Mm-hmm. This is one of the four. This is the one match that doesn't need to be promoted because this is the one match that the other guys bring you in for and you sit and see this and you're awestruck. And I think that's that's more I think that's a better build for this match because Shinsuke is such an enigma that if you try to to show him if you try to market him from a WrestleMania standpoint to casuals, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. But if they see him, right? Because I'm going to be so disappointed if you don't come out with the full orchestra, personally. I need a full orchestra. And him coming in. Then takeover caliber. Yes. Prince is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And I don't need one. I need a whole symphony. But, I need the entire Superdome to be singing that chorus. Yes. In fact, give everybody in the Superdome a violin. Even if they can't play it, just let them do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that but that entrance and the match, which has there ever been a match in, in well, New Japan, sure, but in WWE that's had higher expectations <laughs> than this one? But so with all that involved, I feel like casual fans or not full-time fans – who don't know who this is and thinks it's ridiculous that this guy is being, they're going to watch this and say, Oh my God, because, and I, and I say that because my outside of Carl, my best friend, uh, his name is Brad, just a regular redneck dude from Texas who doesn't watch wrestling. He's an MMA fan. He came over to the house with me one night to watch takeover. And it was, um, was a takeover Brooklyn where, uh, he fought Bobby Roode the first time. Or was it takeover? No, it was takeover Toronto. Yeah, Survivor Series weekend. Yeah, when he yeah. fought Bobby Roode for the first time. Because I was there the next time in San Antonio. Um, and I had explained. He, my my boy knows like so he knows who they are. He doesn't watch, but he has an idea because best friend is a wrestling fan. But he had never seen Shinsuke. He knew of him, but didn't know anything about him. And literally. He would just send me pictures at work afterwards with the theme song playing and him doing the post <laughs> because he won him over. And that's that's what I think is more important than having this magnanimous full on build with epic uh, with the epic storyline behind it. It doesn't need one. Doesn't need one. They're the two best wrestlers on the, on the brand. Let them just go out there and kill each other. And best man win. And I realize that that's not. I'm I'm probably a little controversial in the thought process, but 
I just feel like that's the perfect build. You have you have all three of the other main matches, which are going to be Cena Undertaker, who's known by everybody, Roman Brock, who Roman's probably the most known full-timer right now, and Brock is Brock, and Ronda Rousey. Like, the the marquee set, you're going to come, you, the house is going to be sold, right? Uh-huh. Now, give them the Savage Steamboat. Sell them on Andre Hogan, give them Savage Steamboat. I just wish, uh, and again, I know and understand the reasons why they don't. I just wish they would acknowledge more of the why Shinsuke is as big of a deal as he is. And even AJ, to a lesser extent, AJ doesn't need it as much because AJ is a two-time WWE champion and SmackDown is now the house that AJ built because he proved that he's that damn good. Mm-hmm. And he was popular in America before. Yeah, and, yeah. and his primary stuff with TNA was American-based and Ring of Honor was American-based, so like he was already popular within the U.S. I wish that they would have made more of an effort, and we know that they will because we've seen some of the documentaries and stuff where they get the Ring of Honor footage from people's careers to show, so we know that they're willing to do it when the time calls for it, I wish they would acknowledge more of his history so that people could see why he's a big deal. They should, but they don't have a working relationship with New Japan. Yeah, I understand why they won't. But when, I, when, I went back and watched a lot of, just recently, a lot of his, uh, when he debuted, a lot of his debut uh, promos, like the one that, that followed him when he flew over here and meeting Vince and all that. And when they were showing his, uh, especially in the build of the Sami Zayn match, when they were showing some of his former work, they showed it from RevPro. He never wrestled for RevPro. He just wrestled some matches at RevPro. You know? But that's because they don't have a working relationship with New Japan like they have with Ring of Honor. So they don't have the footage to go back and show that like they would to go back and show Kevin Steen. You know? Or Tyler Black. Because they have a working relationship with that company. And I don't even know if that working relationship is as strong as it used to be because they've tied in with uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I so in a perfect world, yes, we would know more of why Shinsuke... Brian has a perfect point that Brian, I don't think you were ever a big New Japan watcher before recently. Like, yeah, that's true. Back in the day. So Shinsuke coming over, and same here with me, uh, I bought Wrestle Kingdom 9 um, because I was interested. And that was the first time I'd ever really watched a full New Japan card. And I'm still not a big New Japan guy. I, I like what they do. But so I was really excited to see Shinsuke in WWE because I needed, I wanted to know what, what he was about. So yes, if all you've seen Shinsuke is Shinsuke on SmackDown, you don't know real Shinsuke. And it would be real nice to see um, why he is who he is. But I also think just for the purposes of where we're at now in the next three weeks, a lot of what you need to know about Shinsuke, you will know WrestleMania night. The okay. entrance, the, win- the the match, and assuming he wins, the celebration afterwards. That will show you in a nutshell who that dude is. Hopefully. I've not really got much to add to that, really. Um, if, if any of you guys have got anything else you want to talk about, Feel free, but if not, we can move on to the quiz. Move on to the quiz. Let's do it. Right, so I'll just place in some music now for you. 
It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. I fucking WWE quiz. And with the news that Daniel Bryan has returned to wrestling competition, it's going to be a Daniel Bryan themed quiz this week. And I took to Reddit to get some questions. So we've got quite a few users who've submitted some questions for us. There was one question that someone asked. It wasn't exactly a quiz question, and I don't know, based on both of your opinions on it, they've asked, who's your dream opponent for Daniel Bryan? This is from AJ Naka Zane Owens. Uh, Miz. Miz. Mike Mazanin. Yes. <laughs> that storyline is nope. just there. I-, I need the Miz to show up on SmackDown yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, no, fuck this US title shit. I'm here, fuck Seth Rollins, fuck Finn Balor, yep. I'm going to kick your ass. Yep. I'd be more than happy with that. I, I, and I want the stipulation to be winner gets to keep the kicks. Keep the kicks. The world famous it kicks. The world famous it kicks. <laughs> and the chance as well, the yes chant. They get to keep it. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. The I don't I don't know if Corey get Corey Graves from a Daniel loses the match, he has to start quieting the crowd. No guys, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, kinda of like the Bullet Club does now with too yeah. sweet. Yeah. No, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> so with, I love it. I've got some actual um sort of trivia questions here, but as is tradition with the Ricky and Clive wrestling show, in order to play in the quiz you have to have your own buzzer. And it has to be in the form of a wrestler's entrance or their catchphrase. So, Kyle, have you got one for us? I do. Mine is a nod to Impact Wrestling's own Eli Drake. So I'm going to go in with a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Caleb for the Impact reference there. The only fan left, yes. The <laughs> only fan left. Uh, and Rance, what's yours? Uh, you know, I wanted to give love to uh, the world famous uh, dude love with the ow, have mercy. Some nice buzzers there. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Right, so first question. This comes from the pro black guy who is Jeremy from Keeping It Strong Style. Shout out to Jeremy. What pay-per-view did Daniel Bryan cash in his money in the bank? Ow, have mercy. Rance? It was at, uh, was it at TLC? That's correct. I know it was in December. Ha! <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was TLC or if it was still Armageddon back then. Oh, wow, Armageddon. Take it back. Oh, I miss, it. I miss those Armageddons. I just miss not theme pay-per-views. I know, I know. Um... Fox a podcaster, it's Jordan Fox on the Good Brothers Wrestling Podcast which Ranch has been on quite a lot this week some good stuff there The Good Brothers Wrestling Podcast featuring Ray Cash yes yep. um, Who was Daniel <laughs> Bryan's first pay-per-view title defence against after he won the WWE title at Wrestlemania 30 Oh, uh, I'll have mercy <laughs> Right Kane Correct from Nobody Special 14 what animal is his sworn enemy I'll have mercy oh surely not Rance a bear 
you know, I don't even know what that means, but you're correct. That's because he's a goat. Oh, and Barry eat goats. Now you you remember the old JBL and Cole show? Yeah. And they had the uh, whatever the talent competition, mm-hmm. and Hornswoggle was dressed up as a bear. Oh Jesus Christ! And he would always fight Hornswoggle. But Jesus. Yeah, he All right. bears. All right. So I've got another word with it. Another couple here from Nobody Special fourteen. Who was his mentor in NXT? Uh, dummy, yeah. Dumb miss. Excellent. So that's one for yourself, Kyle. You're climbing back up the scoreboard. <laughs> uh, who was his rookie in NXT a few seasons later? Oh, uh, uh, I'll have mercy. Okay. EC3, better known as Derek Bateman. Another correct answer for Rance. Let me see who else... Darth Memer one two three four. He's got two questions. What minor WWE TV program did Daniel Bryan receive a tryout match against John Cena on? Dummy, yeah. Was that Velocity? Oh, you pulled that one out of the bag there. Eights. What year was that? For a bonus point. Do we have to do the buzzer too? Dummy, yeah, and I'm going to say 2003. Oh, correct. According yeah, he, he, was, he was still thugging Nami's John Cena, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Word lice. Right, let's see. Who, what else have I got? One, two, three. Give me a wee second here to see if I've covered them all. Pardon this um, unprofessionalism at the moment. Got that one, got that one. I can't believe I forgot The Miz was his. (laughs) That's where it all started. Daniel Bryan and The Miz is my dream match because that feud goes back to Daniel Bryan's NXT debut. Yeah. His well, first you, feud was with The Miz over the U.S. title. You you know what made me think... I was thinking Jericho because their first match was against each other. Oh, yeah. And that's what threw me off because I just remember seeing the match. And I was thinking about that otherwise. But yeah, that that's... Talk about a, a slow burn feud. Miz and Daniel Bryan is the slowest of slow yeah, burns. They, that feud's been burning for like 15 years now. I know. <laughs> it's the longest feud ever. Um, that, as far as I'm aware, that is all the Reddit questions. Um, but I will give you one for myself to see if it's possible for Kyle to equalise here. Okay. Why was, in fact, we've got one here at the very bottom. Everyone, Shukai, Shukai, Skuhai. Oh, I can't say that at all. Right, Brian Danielson, known nowadays as WWE's Daniel Bryan defines what it is to be a fighting underdog. This is quite a long one, okay. So much so that in 2007, Danielson faced an opponent opponent almost twice his size and resulted in a pretty gruelling injury. Who was that opponent? Opponent. 2007? So this is, must be the Ring of Honor days. Yeah. No, the injury was that, if I'm thinking of the right thing, I know the injury was he tore... His retina? No, he tore like his arm and his like labrum or his pectoral muscle or something like that. Like he tore I, a whole shit ton of 
I got a guess. I got a guess. I I don't know, but I have a guess, so I'll have mercy. Okay. Was it the Necro Butcher? Does this person have another name at all? No. That's mm. Necro Butchers only know as Necro Butchers. I I don't know. That was just a guess if I you don't know. know. No, the one the answer do you want to have a guess, Kyle? I don't know that one. Uh the answer here is Takeshi Morishima. Oh yeah, because that was um that was the the main event of the pay per view. And it says yeah. the world pay per view. Yeah. yeah. It was a detached retina. That's what it says here. Yeah, and he and this fool wrestled like a month later. <laughs> That's yeah, fool. he wrestled for quite a while after, for like a month or two afterwards before he got it fixed. Yes. Wonder why he got concussion problems, man. You ain't have an eye. <laughs> like, come on, dog. <laughs> So, oh man! So I think the score here was Rance four and Kyle three. So you're the winner of the quiz this week, Rance. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you very much. I needed to get in one of these quizzes, so I feel good. Good game, sir. Good game. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Well, no thanks to both of you for coming on. Um, it was quite an enjoyable one tonight. But shout out to Ricky first and foremost. Hopefully, he can come back on next week. Um, just a couple of quick plugs. The housekeeping part of the podcast. This is obviously the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, on which you can have shows by Rance's very own SMC Wrestling Podcast. You've got the Keeping It Strong Style New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast with Jeremy and Josh, and also One Nation Radio and One Nation Live with Rich and James. SocialSuplex.com has all these podcasts and lots of columns. Caleb started writing in the column game with Impact and Ring of Honor reviews as well, so you can actually subscribe to them on the website. When you get a hold of the podcast app, please rate and review 5 stars, 6.25 stars if your podcast app allows that. Uh, And please also join the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group if you haven't already. Kyle Moores is a regular contributor to there, so he can tell you that it's good fun. Um, I think that's us. I think I've covered everything. Kyle, have you got any shout-outs at all that you want to give? Uh, no, I mostly just wanted to thank you all for having me. Shout-out to all the Social Suplex crew. Y'all um, keep my rides to work very entertaining. <laughs> Rance, what about yourself? Uh, Caleb dropped another column today uh, about Daniel Bryan and about how that affected him, so check that out. Um, Kyle, it's been a pleasure to have you on, man. You should probably think about a podcast because you are a very entertaining personality. Uh, yeah, so, and, you know, listen to the SMC podcast, man. We got some new stuff coming soon. Uh, it's WrestleMania season, so let's have some fun. It's going to be a chocolate block season, so I better start editing this podcast because I've got a 12 hour WrestleMania to watch in a couple of weeks. <laughs> start now, right? Uh, start now, start yeah. doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> just loading up the network just now. You know what you should do? You should watch WrestleMania an hour a week. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be done by the time SummerSlam uh, comes around. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be saying, when SummerSlam comes around, I thought Daniel Bryan was cleared to wrestle. Why is he away again? <laughs> sorry, sorry. He said it, not me. I'm not yeah, getting in trouble for that one. I have not taken responsibility for that. My hands are washed, bro. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> On that note, Ricky's gonna Ricky's not gonna have a podcast to come back to. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's it's Fenishel who's not going to have a column to come back to. Dude, Dave's getting raked hard. I wanted to stick up for him, but literally, no exaggeration. The title was too hard. You're right. You're right. But I I I I messaged him and I told him, bro, I I agree with you. But man, that title. And he was like, don't just don't even say nothing, dog. It's not even worth it. Don't even say nothing for it. Just, just it's not even worth it. Just let me take the heat. Okay. All right. You at said least, so. Right. At least knows. At least knows. <laughs> the the IWC's very own heat magnet, Dave Fenishel. Shout out to you, good sir. <laughs> He's built for that. I'm. I'm I'm built to take like I'm built for the debate, but I'm not built for that kind of heat. Oh, he, yeah, I, I've gotten that kind of heat before, and I don't need it no more. He doesn't give one shit. <laughs> not at all. I teach in a public school. That's all the heat I need. Right? <laughs> Extra heat. The way people's opinions of me affects me too much, and I shouldn't say that, and it shouldn't be that way, but it does. Finishell doesn't give a damn. <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. <laughs> on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week see you later thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive wrestling podcast we'll see you next time what's so special about Hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co.